Thank you. You may be seated. Let's open up God's Word together this evening and turn to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy, if you would. 2 Timothy. And I had every intention of preaching on living by faith. But again, um, I believe the Lord has directed me to another passage of Scripture uh, earlier this week. It's amazing when you go through a challenging time, uh, and if your eye and your ear is open, then God seems to speak more loudly, more clearly than he does on top of the mountain. And uh, that is very special. Almost every song, every hymn, every Bible passage seems to be applicable to your current present state when you're going through a difficulty. And that's one of the benefits and blessings of trials. We're so often ready to get out of a trial that we miss what God has for us in it. Sometimes his voice is so clear and so loud in a valley, in a trial. And God wants us to see that sometimes that's exactly precisely where he wants you to be. And uh, I was, as you know, speaking in the Netherlands last weekend and then here on the Lord's Day. And I am reminded of those words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And what a thought that if the shepherd is leading us, if Jesus the good shepherd is leading us, and we believe that he is sovereign in his leading, then it is no accident if we find ourselves in a valley. It must be mean that we must walk through the valley in order to get to a green pasture. We must trust him in that. And earlier this week, uh, uh, one of the passages that God spoke to me about, just on a side note before we get into Timothy, one of the passages God spoke to me very clearly from was was just two days ago in Psalm 27. And uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And uh, there are several doubles that we find in that chapter. And um, this was God preaching to me when I was studying Psalm 27, but several doubles. The first was, whom shall I fear? Whom Of whom shall I be afraid? The second one was twice, he says in verse 5, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me. He will hide me in his pavilion. And in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Twice, he will hide me. The third double is, is found in, in uh, verse number 6. I will sing. I will sing. Some people say, well, uh, how, how dare you? praise and sing praises when you're going through such a trying, difficult, or serious time. Of course, we must praise him. Is he only worthy of being praised when the sun is shining? When we're on top of a mountain? We must praise him. And David said, praise God. When you're in the valley, praise him. The fourth double is found in verse number eight. Seek ye my face. When thou saidst, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. The fifth one is the last one found there at the end of the chapter. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, he shall strengthen my heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Many times I'm thinking, especially in the last week, should I do this, should I do? Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. And I believe God's led us tonight to 2 Timothy chapter 1. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, we'll look together at the first 10 verses, but particularly verse number 6. And uh, I believe God has a message for us tonight. And and um, my mind and heart was already on something to do with this, and God confirmed it. I was reading 
one of my old friends, A.W. Tozer, and uh, one of his books on entitled Rut, Rot, or Revival. And uh, what a good, interesting title. Many of us are in a rut. Some are rotting in the rut. And the only remedy is revival, personal revival, collective revival. Look together, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word tonight. And I want to talk to you. Look at verse number six with me, please, if you would. Um, a very important verse. Paul is encouraging Timothy, and he says this, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Stir up the gift of God which is in thee. There are times when we need to be stirred up. There are times when we need to be shaken, as it were. For Timothy, there, there appeared to be a timid streak in him. If you read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, no less than 25 times Paul encourages Timothy to be bold. And there seems to be that Timothy had this natural tendency to be a bit timid and uh, to be, you know, to, to hold back a little bit. And so Paul is constantly encouraging, don't be afraid, be bold. And that's where we find him now. And I'm told, again, there's at least 25 times when this particular encouragement to stand up and be bold, stand up where you need to stand up and be strong when you need to be strong, at least 25 times. Timothy already had a heart for the sheep and a very tender heart, but now he needed to develop the kind of boldness to lead and protect the flock. And that's what Paul is seeking to do here. Paul's getting ready to die. If you remember in the fourth chapter, he said, I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure now is at hand, and he's seeking to encourage Timothy to stand up, be strong. Now, God knows exactly what each one of us needs tonight. The message here, of course, is to the timid, to those who are unsure, perhaps discouraged, oppressed by whatever challenge that lies in front of you. And the message is very simple. 
Stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Let's look at three things just quickly tonight. Number one, how? How do we do that? Well, Paul says, look what he says in verse number six. He says it twice. Verse number five, when I call to remembrance. Verse number six, wherefore I put thee in remembrance. Remember, how do we stir up that which is inside of us, which seems to have fallen asleep, which seems to lie dormant, which seems to be taking a break, how do we stir it up? It's one thing to say, hey, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Come on, pull yourself together. Let's get after it. It's one thing to say it. How do you do it? Paul says, I put thee in remembrance. Let me remind you. Tozer spoke of how oftentimes we have a tendency to get snowed over by life. You ever felt that way? Like a winter season. During the winter season, everything looks dead, doesn't it? No leaves on the tree, no fruit in sight, nothing green at all. In fact, no sign of life, no sign of any fruit, just ice, cold, snow. Everything seems to be frozen over. It is possible to be beaten until you are numb. Does that ask, ask, ask any boxer? It's possible to reach a point in the fight when you don't feel it anymore. You're cold, you're numb. It's possible to run so far in a race that your legs, you don't feel your legs anymore. I can remember when I was uh, just a teenager, I began running more and more. And uh, I remember being told that there's a, the runner's wall that oftentimes you hit and you don't feel like you can lift your leg. But if you press through it, you sometimes don't even feel your legs anymore. And you really begin to fly, but there's a danger in that. There's a danger that you're running so far and so fast that you don't feel anything anymore. That you've been beaten by life so much that you become numb. And you like all that is in nature in the wintertime. You feel like you've been snowed in, snowed over. You don't feel the presence of God anymore. You don't hear his voice anymore. It looks like all hope is gone. All life is gone. But there is still life down there somewhere. So it is here. In fact, I love this time of year. Julianne and I were driving to Crown Hall on Monday and driving, getting off of the M5, the Droitwich roundabout. And just as we rounded the bend, there was a beautiful tree just in the beginning stages of blossoming already. How about the snowdrops? Where'd they come from? Overnight. Here they are. And sometimes we look around us and we think this is dead. There's nothing here. Everything's gone. All life is gone. Hold on a moment. There's still life down in there somewhere. Child of God, Christian, there you might be in a frozen period. But down somewhere down below the frost line, the field mice are having a heyday. The worms and the grubs and all the other creepy crawlies are still down there waiting for the sun to come out and springtime to appear. Life is still there. In the center of a tree, the life-giving sap is still there. Just because you don't see the fruit or the green leaves doesn't mean it's all dead. That's why you got to be careful what trees you cut down in the wintertime. Because you can make the mistake of thinking that everything's dead when it's not actually dead at all. So it is with us. You may not see the life right now, the fruit right now that you once saw, but it doesn't mean there's no life left. This is why we need to put thee in remembrance. 
This is why, like Paul says, let me remind you of what God has done and what God has put inside of you. Just like God's put life-giving sap in a tree, God has put the life-giving Spirit of God inside of you. So let's talk for a moment. What is in thee? Let me remind you, Paul says, of what is inside of you. When you feel timid and when you feel all frozen over and lifeless and dead and, and you feel like your whole world's crumbling, remind yourself of what God has put inside of you. And the first thing is found in verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Paul said, you know what I think about? When, I, when, I, when I'm reminded of the pure not unhypocritical, genuine faith that is inside of you. Now sometimes, look here for a second, sometimes we forget that. And sometimes we, we, we talk to ourselves like this. I feel like such a fake. I feel like such a hypocrite. Come to meetings, people say, how you doing? I nod my head, yeah, fine, everything's grand. But inside I feel so dead. Read the Bible, don't get anything out of it. And I feel so fake. No, no, no. Remind yourself, there's a true faith. If you've been born again, there is a true faith inside of you. Sometimes it gets snowed over. Sometimes it grows cold and even freezes up for a season. But there is an unfeigned faith or else you wouldn't be born again. You wouldn't be a child of God if there was not an unfeigned faith inside of you. There is the seed of genuine faith inside of every Christian or else they would not be a Christian. Amen. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, you won't act like a hypocrite sometimes. That doesn't mean that you might not have a measure of fakeness there, but there is still unfeigned faith somewhere inside of you or else you wouldn't be a child of God. Because it is faith. By grace are you saved through faith. Remember on Sunday morning, we've been justified by faith. It's pure, genuine faith that brings a man or a woman to their knees and they realize, I can't save myself. I believe Jesus died for me. Thank you, God. I trust you. That's pure faith. Genuine faith. And sometimes you've got to be reminded that God has put inside of you real faith. Satan whispers in your ear all the time, you're a fake. You're a phony. Call yourself a Christian. Oh, you got some spiritual ideas, some bit of advice? Really? Look at you. Hot one day, cold the next. Dressing like a Christian on Sunday and acting like the world on Monday. What's wrong with you? And all we, talk, we hear these accusations. But hold on just a moment. There is somewhere inside of you unfeigned faith, real, genuine faith. Stir yourself up. Remind yourself. Remind yourself the day that God saved you. Maybe don't remember the day or the hour. Remind yourself the time anyways. Look back over your life. Let that encourage you that there is real faith inside of you. That's not it. There's a number of other things. Look at Romans chapter 8. What else do we need to be reminded of what's inside of us? I love this one. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you now if any man have not the spirit of christ he is none of his not only is there genuine faith living inside of you there's the spirit of god inside of you now we shouldn't have to be reminded of this 
We shouldn't have to be reminded that God lives in me. But sometimes we do. Sometimes we've got to remind ourselves, hold on just a moment. I get thee behind me, Satan. The Spirit of God lives inside of me. I'm a child of the living God. What are the signs? How do we know He lives inside of us? Well, what does the Spirit of God do? He convicts us of sin. Do you remember that? Come to convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. What is wrong, what is right, and that which is to come. He convicts us. He leads us. He speaks to us. I was speaking to some brethren this afternoon. We had a lovely time of fellowship this afternoon. And, and uh, by the way, God willing, we're going to have a baptism very soon. So if you know that you're saved and need to be baptized, let me know. Uh, we'll, do, we'll do that as soon as possible. God willing, this Sunday. We'll have a baptism. There's a two, at least two brethren that need to be baptized and perhaps more. But when God speaks to you, when God begins to lead you, I was speaking to the brethren today, sometimes God gives you a little inclination, a little understanding about something. And sometimes you, you sort of forget about it. You shrug it off. Don't do that. That's God speaking, God leading, God guiding the Spirit of God convicts us. He leads us. He comforts us. So be encouraged. Remind yourself that God lives inside of me. There are so many verses about this. I couldn't possibly give you all of them. But let me give you a couple more. Galatians 4, verse number 6. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. If you're a child of God, the Spirit of God's been sent to live in your hearts. And you know what He does there? He tells you that God is your Father. What an encouragement. We find it again in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 27. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Peter writes about it in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 11. He says, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. The Spirit of Christ in us. And again, John 14, verse number 17, Jesus himself told us that the Spirit, he was going to send the Spirit. I must go so I can send the comforter. And in John 14, verse number 7, Jesus says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Amen. Let me remind you. Here's what Paul said to Timothy. Let me remind you what you have inside of you. You've got faith, real faith. You've got the Spirit of God living inside of you. You've got the word of Christ dwelling in you. Colossians tells us in chapter 3 and verse number 16 that the word of Christ dwell richly. Colossians 3 verse number 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in, dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And 2 John 1 verse number 2. John writes and he says, look, you, you, we've got to recognize and acknowledge this truth. Uh, 2 John chapter 4 and verse number Verse number two, hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus is the Christ. Sorry, that's one John. Uh, well, it's not, there's not a two, two John chapter four. There's not a two John chapter four. What's wrong with me? Well, you know what I mean. Look at, we'll look that one up later on. 
But may the Lord help us. Pardon me. 2 John 1 verse number 2. That, there we go. For the truth's sake which dwelleth in us. The truth's sake which dwells inside of us. The, the faith lives in you. Spirit of God lives in you. Truth lives inside of you. That's why when you hear truth, your spirit says, yes, that's right. Because you've got truth living inside of you. Let me give you two other things here. Very, very encouraging. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. I love this little book of John. By the way, 1 John is written, written that we might be assured of our salvation. These things I write unto you that you may know. Several things he wants you to know. But listen to this. And he writes not just to one person like Paul writes to Timothy. That's one person. You could say a young minister. But John writes to young men, old men, young women. Uh, he writes to everybody. And look what he says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 27. Some people get a little bit afraid when they read this, but I love this. Verse 26. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him that abideth in you, ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. There's an anointing inside of you. To every child of God, where the Spirit of God is living, there's an anointing. What's that mean? Well, that word anointing literally is the word that is used when they would smear, literally smear over top of one of these priests, this oil, this covering. This, this is signifying the, the power of God's spirit, the unction from above, something you didn't normally have, the applying of God's spirit to your life. There's an unction that every one of us has. Some people say, oh, that's just for the preacher. And that's just, no, no, no. John's not writing just to the preacher. Every child of God has this empowering of God's spirit. And what is that empowering for? The anointing which you have received of him that abideth in you. That's the spirit of God. And you need not that any man teach you. God has given you an anointing. Now look here for a second. There are some people who think that you need them. There are some people who think that they have a certain revelation and special understanding that nobody else on the planet has, and therefore you need to listen to them so they can give it to you. That's hogwash. You have an anointing. If you've been born again, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. Let me tell you what that is. That's Gnosticism. To imagine that I've got something that nobody else has but me, some enlightening that nobody else has, and you've got to come to me, that's nonsense. You have an anointing which ye have received of him that abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaching you, teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. That's the Spirit of God living inside of you, working with the truth of God. It's important. God's given you these things. There's one more thing, 2 Timothy chapter 1, back to our text. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6, Wherefore I put, in, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Let me tell you what else is inside of you. You've got to remember this when you're feeling like you're snowed over. 
when you're feeling like there's no life left inside of you, when you feel like the whole world's on top of you, you got to remember there's real faith inside of you. The Spirit of God lives in you. The Word of Christ lives in you. The anointing of God's Spirit is inside of you. And there's a gift from God inside of you. Every Christian has a gift. Everyone. Romans speaks about this. Paul speaks to the Romans Paul writes in Corinthians about gifts, different gifts as well. But in Romans chapter 12, just a couple of things we find in verse number four, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Did you catch that? Every one of us have a gift that's different, different and differing according to what grace, what measure of grace God's given you. Whether it prophesy, then let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, on he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. That means without, without fakeness, with sincerity. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honoring and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We'll stop there for just a moment. Now, the danger is this. The danger is when you won't recognize and won't see the gifts God's given you and you start coveting somebody else's and you start trying to act like you've got somebody else's. That's where problems come because you won't recognize what God's given you. Stir up the gift that is inside of you. I love this. Let me give you one little uh, last little illustration before we move on to the last point. In Matthew 25, think about this for a second. Matthew 25 one of Jesus' parables, I love this. He talks about this, this parable, one of the parable, parables involving talents. I want you to look at it with me, please. Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 14. For the kingdom of heaven is, 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 is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received his five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. Likewise, he that received two, he also gained another two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. 
Lo, there thou hast that is thine. And the Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What have you, do, what have you done with what God has given you? This is why Paul says, stir up the gift that is in thee. Because there's a temptation sometimes to let our gifts and talents and all that God's given us to be snowed over. And sometimes we just need to be reminded. Sometimes we just need to be put into remembrance. Peter says in 2 Peter 3 verse 1, The second epistle, beloved, I write unto you in, in both which I stir up your pure minds of remembrance. That you be mindful of the words which were spoken before. Sometimes we just need to be stirred up. Now, how do we stir it up? How do we stir these things up? Well, we put them in remembrance. Okay, good. Just like when the sun comes out at springtime and all the, uh, the snowdrops start, start popping up from the ground and, and the buds begin pressing, uh, the, the blossoms begin pressing themselves out of the ends of the tree. Life begins pushing itself back out. We need sunshine. We need the light of Christ. Well, how's that done? Well, we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Look what Paul says to Timothy. Preach the word. Why? That was his gift. Use your gift. Well, how do you stir up the gift that is in you? You use it. Amen. If you don't use it, it's interesting what Paul said in the previous book in 1 Timothy 4 verse 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. Would you look here for a moment? There's a natural tendency to neglect what God's given you. To neglect the faith that's in you. To neglect the Holy Spirit that's in you. To, ne to neglect the gifts that are inside of you. The Word of Christ inside of you. The anointing that's inside of you. We have a tendency to neglect it. And if you neglect it, you lose it. Yeah. Not that you lose it altogether, but you lose it below the snow and you begin to wonder, did you ever even have it? Yeah. Use it for the glory of Almighty God. Exodus 35. You remember this text? We were studying the life of Moses over the last couple of years. You may remember when God came down from the mountain with the instructions of the tabernacle and of what to build. And if you remember, God commanded him to call together all the people. And the scriptures say in verse number four, Moses spake, Exodus 35, Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart. Let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold, silver, and brass. Here's where it begins. With a willing heart. You don't bring anything to God unless you've got a willing heart. Now, you, what do you do when you don't have a willing heart? What do you do when you, you don't even want to get out of bed in the morning? Let alone open the Bible when you don't want to preach. Look, believe me, there's been a number of times I didn't want to preach. What do you do then? I love this. Verse number 21. Verse 20, and all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. 
But that's not talking about the Spirit of God. That's your spirit. Make yourself willing. Stir yourself up. How do you do that? How do you stir yourself up and make yourself willing? I'll tell you what it is. You've got to look outside of yourself. Look at the big picture. Look what God is doing. This is not about you and how you feel. Look, I don't feel like sometimes getting out of bed. Sunday morning, I didn't want to get out of bed. Sunday morning, I didn't want to even walk up the steps of this pulpit. That's why I didn't come out until the song before the sermon. I had to make myself willing. And sometimes you've got to stir up the gift of God that is inside of you, whose heart stirred him up, everyone whom his spirit made willing. And then they brought the Lord's offering and they came. Verse 22, both men and women, as many as were willing hearted and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets and jewels of gold. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold to the Lord. Here's what it is. They brought what they had. But God didn't want you to bring what you don't have. God's not asking you to bring somebody else's gift. He wants you to bring yours. God's not asking you to stir up a gift that is not in you and stir up a gift that he hasn't given you. He wants you to stir up what he has given you. Stop lamenting that you don't have somebody else's gift and start praising God that you've got what he's given you. I'm reminded of one passage this week, which is one of the reasons I ended up here, I believe, and one Samuel, I was listening, my wife turned on, no, I, I, one of us turned on uh, Pastor Sexton's sermon Sunday night. We got home sometimes uh, we'll, when we're lying in the bed, comes on about midnight. We'll just flip on our home church in Tennessee. And uh, Pastor Sexton preached a short message, but it was just what I needed to hear. And uh, he talked about how David, you remember the story when David with his, with his men were out to battle and they came back home to Ziklag and the village had been burned. Their wives had been taken. The children had been gone. And the Bible says that the men, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 29, pardon me, 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, then David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved and every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David, do you remember what David did? David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. There are times when there's nobody else in the world that's going to encourage you but yourself. There are times when it feels like everybody wants to, they've already got a stone picked up and they're ready to do away with you. That's when you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Stir up the gift. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. He says, I can't stir it up. You've got to stir it up inside of you. Let me give you one last thing in closing. We've talked about what God has put inside of us. But let me tell you what he has not put inside of you. Because that's what Paul adds to this. In verse 6 he says, I want to put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on my hands. For God has not given us or God has not put into you the spirit of fear. Would you look here for a second? Let me tell you what fear is like. Fear is like that snow that falls on nature and covers all the life inside of you and snuffs it out. But God has not given you the spirit of fear. Fear that wants you to bury your gift. Fear that wants you to say, pack it up, you're finished, you're done. Fear that says, you ought to quit. Fear that says, I know what the word says, but forget about it. And Paul says, that's not from God. 
God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Power. You can get over this. You will get over this. Love. You can have compassion in this. You can actually have compassion in the value and even compassion for those who oppress you. And he's given your mind to think clearly and properly. A sound mind. To see as he would see and hear as he would hear and to discern as he would discern. That's why Paul writes to the Corinthian church and said, look, some of you, you're carnal. You can't even, you can't even, you can't even judge properly because you're looking carnally. You can't see spiritually and think spiritually of carnal judgment. And but you haven't been given that. You've been given a sound mind, a spiritual mind. You can see things the way you ought to see them and judge the way you ought to judge. Fear not. Stir up the gift of God that is within you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we rejoice that there is so much that you have put inside of us. We thank thee, Lord, that there is faith in us, genuine faith, or else we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be thy children. We thank thee, Father, that thy Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and he has given us an anointing, an empowering, an unction. We thank thee, Lord, that the word of Christ dwells in us, and we pray that it would dwell richly in us. We thank thee, Lord, as well, that there have been gifts given we ask that we might have thy help, not waiting for springtime to come, but we would stir up, even now, stir up the gift that is in us. We may look unto Jesus Christ and feel our soul warming and being thawed out even now. Help us to encourage ourselves in the Lord our God, even tonight, Lord. Raise us up to do thy work. Help us to remember fear has not come from thee. This spirit of fear... This oppressive spirit of fear has not come from thee, but thou hast given us the spirit of power, victory, and of love and of a sound mind. Lord, help us to move forward with these things and these thoughts. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name.